Hi, I'm Harry. I'm Luke. And welcome to Who Can Convince You? The podcast where we discuss two Doctor Who stories to see which one can convince you. And a few other bits thrown in there too. episode five i'm harry i'm luke how are you <laughs> yeah i'm good actually how are you i'm okay actually happy belated birthday oh thank you you're welcome i'm sure all of our 23 podcasts... <laughs> i'm sure all of our podcast listeners will wish will join me in wishing you many 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 happy returns oh thank you thank you I am 23 years young, and I am fighting fit to get this episode done. Oh! Now, we, this episode was delayed by a week, wasn't it? It was delayed by a week. We had a bit of an illness in the family, but she's all better now. She's all better now. It wasn't COVID. But we're back on track. It wasn't, no, it wasn't COVID. It wasn't. But we're all back on track now. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. That's all done. So, should we get on with it? So this week we've got the Caves of Androzani and Love and Monsters. Mm. Mm. So old uh, New Who went first last time. Old Who first this time. Would you like a brief... Bur- bur- fucking hell. Would you like a, to say. Exactly. Would you like a brief blurb or synopsis or whatever it is called? I would like a nice log line, please. Okay, have a nice log. Arriving on the barren world of Androzani Minor. The Doctor and Perry find themselves embroiled in a long-running war, fought between the ruthless General Chalik and the sinister Sharus Jek. At the heart of the conflict is the substance called Spectrox, both valuable and deadly. The Doctor and Perry end up being poisoned by the material, which is killing them slowly and painfully, and there is no cure. As the conflict heats up and the situation gets more desperate, and with death just hours away, how far must the Doctor go in order to save his friend's life? Oh, crumbs! Oh, crumbs, we are in trouble! Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear! Well, it turns out he goes quite far. He does go quite far. And there is a cure. Bat's milk. It's the Queen Mother's bat's milk. It is the bat milk. So, I don't know what that's about. Bit shoehorned, isn't it? Plot reasons. Let's put that in there. <laughs> Plot reasons. Plot reasons. So, yeah, season 21, serial 6. Um... What did you think? I thought it was very, very good. No, I really enjoyed it. I really, really, really enjoyed it. My overview, uh, so episode one, thought, right, we're here again. Doctor's been captured again. End of episode one, they get captured and shot, gobsmacked. I'm hooked. Shot You've got, dead. you've got, 
you well, you've got my attention. Was he tugging on your heartstrings? No, but I was just like, oh, shit. So episode two, he's back. I was like, right. And then it just decides, like, right, you know, we do characters sometimes. Well, should we make these good and interesting? And should we, like, just try on everything as hard as we can? All right, then, yeah. And then that this is the result. It's amazing. It's yeah. so well-crafted, I was almost sick. Sick with excitement. Yeah. That's when you know it's good, isn't it? Well, I just had no idea Doctor Who had this in it. It's brilliant. Right. Yeah, now, it's great. There may be some things I don't like, but you, it's one of those things where you'd have to remind me. Yeah, well, we'll go. We'll sort of we'll go through the story a little bit. I think. I th- so, well, what's your overview? What's your uh, what's your thoughts? I really, really like it. I think it's excellent. Mm. It does come highly in the um, in the polls. So, in the Mighty Two Hundred, it's first. So it came first. But uh, Doctor Who magazine redid the Mighty 200 for when the 50th, 50th, the 50th anniversary came out. And then it moved places. So it went from being first to being fourth. Right. So it is, it's regarded, I'd say, as a fan favourite. So technically there's three others that are better. Well, Genesis of the Daleks, Blink... I disagree there. No. And the day and the day of the doctor. I disagree there. So Blink's number two. Yeah, Blink is no number two. No way. But yeah. So yeah, it Mighty Two Hundred it came first. And then when they redid it two thousand fourteen, it came fourth. Um I mean for me, it's fantastic, mm. but it's not my favourite story. My favourite right. story comes quite low down on the list, I'd say. I don't know where it comes in. But yeah. It's still, it's so well done, and all of the cast are great, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I think everybody is great. I don't think there's anybody that sort of lets it down, really. I can't think of anyone. No. Well, there is one creature, I think, that is annoying, and I don't like it there. The um, you know, the creature that, that, I can't remember what it's called, but it's really low underneath, you know, in the mines. Is it the magma beast? Yeah. Hmm. Don't like that. Yeah. That Just is the it one problem. It, well, it's just... It's not there for any reason, is it? No, and it looks awful. Yeah. Where everything else looks amazing. Yeah. So, I will say that for this story, I've got, let's go through like our main points of what um, what we picked up whilst we were watching it. Yeah? Okay. So I'd say, first off, it's great world building for the story. Mm. It's very simple. There's an ongoing gun-running war to get this Spectrox, and that's it. And why do they want the Spectrox? So, yeah, so Spectrox is the most valuable substance in the universe. Right. Um, It's sort of the cocaine of the future. <laughs> the cocaine. <laughs> cocaine. Um, yeah, so it basically, it's like, it can prolong life. Right. In regular doses. Um, so people live twice as long as normal when they're taking it. Which is nice. Well, isn't that what everyone wants? Would you take Spectrox? Yeah. Yeah, all right then. I'll get you some. Well, good luck. Because those gun runners are after it. Oh, yeah, that's true. You've got 
the man in the gimp suit. Yes. You've got the man with the ponytail. Yes. You've got Perry. I'll go and get it. All right, you go get it, and I'll wait here. I'll go and get it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what about... So, let's do some... Let's carry on with some main points, really. Um, I will say, I think both the mains, Davison and Bryant, um, do a great job of sort of gradually becoming more and more unwell. They're ill acting. I think they do a great job of acting ill. Yeah. It's it's quite well paced as well. It's not like suddenly, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah, you know, it does it really well because you'd you'd assume that they would just sort of go from being fine to sort of, oh, I don't feel very well, and then the next minute they're on the floor. Mm. I but honestly it, thought it'd be one of those things that they forgot about. It does. Um, it feels like they sort of start to forget about it. I'd say, like you f- you think that it's they've forgotten about it, haven't they? Mm. But then you notice little things like their hands. Mm. And I think they just they act it really well, um, and it puts an, another like time limit on the whole scenario on the story. You've got the approaching, um, you know, wars in the caves. Mm. You've got the uh, mud explosions, and you've got them needing to find a cure as fast as they can. So that's three like countdown timers that escalate yeah. these scenes. Well, like the tension. The, they do the the story's got great like tension and release which like it's, it works as some stories it can be like a bad thing that it's sort of it's action then it stops action then it stops but because the story doesn't really have a lot of running around kind of action it works well that you can build the tension and then drop it for like mm. little speaky scenes but all of the dialogue's so great in the story it's very good. Like, there's nothing... Like, I always find with Doctor Who, I'd say probably New Who suffers with this more so than Old Who, that people get lines that are completely... You can't say them in a convincing way. Mm. Like, they're just, you know, just undeliverable things. Yeah. Like, you just change it, because it doesn't sound... <laughs> you can't say that and make it sound serious. But it felt quite natural, this episode. Yeah. It really it, did. It's, it just flows really well. So Robert Holmes um, wrote this story. Right. So Robert Holmes, um, for anybody listening, and for your good self, uh, Robert Holmes wrote uh, The Crotons, Space Pirates, whoops, uh, Speedhead from Space, Terror of the Autons, Carnival of Monsters, Time Warrior, Ark in Space, sort of, Pyram- uh, Pyramids of Mars, sort of, Brain of Morbius, sort of, Mm-hmm. Deadly Assassin, Talons of Wen Chiang, Sunmakers, Reboss Operation, The Power of Kroll, Caves of Androzani, The Two Doctors, The Mysterious Planet, and The Ultimate Foe. So I'm guessing he's like top tier writing. Yeah, if you Robert want a good Holmes Doctor a gr- Who episode, you hire him. Yeah, you know, Holmes is where it's at. Just the two episodes I've seen so far of all two that actually have stuck with me, and I think are actually really good. Yeah, well, he's written. yeah. Brain Morbius, Spearhead from Space. And now this one as well. Yeah. So, you know, three well, stories. Just Brain of Morbius in this one. Didn't think much of Spearhead from Space. I thought you really liked that one. Yeah, I liked it, but it wasn't on the same tier as this. It's, it's... Oh, right, okay. Should we review yeah. that instead? Should we just do that one? <laughs> do it again. So what do you think of the characters? What, um, well, this is your first Peter Davison story. 
It is. Um, so we're going to talk about him as the Doctor then. Well, considering it's who he is, we could talk about him in All Creatures Great and Small, but I don't think anybody really wants to know about that, do they? As in, should we talk about him as the Doctor and compare him to other Doctors and where does it rank on my scale of Doctor Go on Who-ness? then. Rate his Doctor Who-ness. I would rate him. I'm on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> no, I didn't need to think about this. One sec. In everybody that you've seen so far. So let's just go through who you've seen. Uh, from classic series, you've got Troughton, John Pertwee, Tom Baker, Colin Baker. Uh, and you've seen most all of the new ones, haven't you, really? I'm not very familiar with Peter Capaldi or Matt Smith. Okay. Where are you going to put Davison? It's hard because I don't know who's my favourite. Shall, shall I just say what I, what I thought then instead of ranking? Go on then. So what do you think of Davison? He's one of my favourites. Really? I, he's great. Because prior to this, I've not really liked the Doctor. I think he's arrogant. Or she. Is arrogant. Um unlikable, unrealistic and I just can't relate to them, him or her at all. But Peter Davison I thought he was lovely. He brings a lot of warmth to the character and I'm not yeah. it, 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 he, it didn't seem like he was overacting. He seemed like he genuinely wanted to help out. Well really when you <laughs> think about it Peter Davison is the only actor probably after Doctor Who who's gone on to have a career other than Dave... Oh, right, well, oh, uh, old Who actors, probably. Because right. I think everybody else, like, knew Who. David Tennant's, like, king of the hill at the minute, isn't he? Is he? Or he well, he was, wasn't he? What's he in? He's in that thing with um, Michael Broad Sheen, Church. isn't he? He's in, well, it's finished now, isn't it? But Peter exactly. Davison went on to do more things after Doctor Who. Whereas well, I think it tends to be that if you do Doctor Who, that's the thing that you always, you know, you're just living off Comic-Con yeah. for the rest of your life then, aren't you? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with There's that. nothing wrong with that. But Pete Davison, yeah, he's great. He's really good. What did he do after this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did, uh, He had. A, he's had a couple of series, hasn't he? Um, he did uh, The Detective Thing. Where he was a detective, uh, <laughs> he did his fiftieth anniversary Doctor Who thing, and he's cropped up a lot in sort of drama series over the years. He does crop up a lot, honestly. All right, honestly. Um. So what? How does that relate to what my view of him is? I just think he's he's a strong actor, really. Mm. You know, not that any of the others aren't, but even so, I'd say for me. The whole era of Peter Davison is sort of a bit of a black hole for me. That uh-huh. it's not really a place that I go, and I think it's mainly because of the Tardis team. Right? Is I he? Like... Only, is his only companion Perry? No, no, no. So he's had he has Tegan, Adric, Nissa. Um... I Adric. Oh yeah, um, yeah. All the people yeah, spinning yeah. around when he's yeah, at the end. Then he has Chameleon, the robot, and yeah. But 
yeah, so that I think because I don't like that TARDIS team, that whole era sort of disappears out of my mind, and I don't really go back to any of those stories. Hmm. You know, occasionally, you know, like Earthshock, the big ones of sort of his era. But um, it's just not a place that I go. But then when I do watch Davison's stories, I think he's great. Hmm. But even still, it doesn't. I don't sit down and think, right, I'm going to watch a Davison story. But um, yeah, what I perceived from his way of dealing with you know playing the Doctor, it's very modern. I think it's quite comparable to New Who and how that deals with the Doctor. He's um, a bit, he's more human, I think, isn't he? Absolutely. He, yeah, he plays it in a very emotional way. Yeah, and I think that's the relatable side of it that I you know I could never really get attached to these um, older Doctors. Where... Is he probably the least alien doctor? He's one of, isn't he? Christopher Eccleston yeah, was I'd... quite like that, isn't he? But yeah, you sort of, you know what you're going to get with him, don't you? Really, he's not sort of he, he doesn't tend to be unpredictable. No, he just sort of follows his heart, doesn't he? I think doesn't he yeah. follow his heart. He does, doesn't he? Um, so and... or hearts. But doesn't right. put himself in front of every scenario because he has to be the best. Like you know, like, I do get the vibe that Tennant does not Tennant the act like him, his character, of his it. character. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he's long for the ride. Uh, kind of like Eccleston. Yeah. What? Um, he'll do his best to help out this scenario and this dilemma. Um, but you know, make sacrifices along the way and try and figure out lots of things. And I find it's just incredibly relatable. That you know, we see the doctor in this episode running away from two guys with you know a, a little machine gun thing. Like, yeah. yeah, he's an alien and he's wildly intelligent, but he can still get shot, you know, down instantly. A disease can still kill him. Um, yeah, he does get shot at the beginning. I love how it humanized him, um, and especially in such an important episode where you know he gets regenerated. Yeah, um, and I, I was, I honestly didn't not, I didn't know that this was a regeneration episode, and I was really no, yeah. sad at the end. I was like, you can't, I because re- I wanted to see more of him, and I will do. You will, oh, you will. But no, yeah, you know, Davison's great, really, really good, strong actor. I but do think, I he's think for... one of my favorites of the old who, if not my favorite so far. I think a lot of people find him quite bland, though. I, find... I could I could be wrong, but for me, for noticing what people say about him and comments that people have whenever mm. he crops up, it comes across... Because I think, is it Keith that said before about Dr. Beige, that he is very... Right, yeah. You know. It's a difficult thing, because you don't want to... With such a good story like this, you don't want to detract everything from that and be like, I'm top dog, don't forget about me, I'm here, because I'm a doctor. Yeah. And to be honest, I can't see any other Doctor doing this story justice. Yeah. Well, I say that, probably Troughton would have a good stab at this because he's quite good at the emotional stuff. There's some scenes in his stories, like um, Tomb of the Cybermen, especially where he talks to Victoria, where he's really, like, emotional with her. Even, I don't think he would fit. It's hard to tell, isn't it, really? But... 
I can I could see him see it working, but to be honest, I think Davison is the only one that could pull off this mm. in a way that it sort of makes sense that it's him. And is that is that what makes it you know is that what helps the episode become one of the greatest? Where the like the story and the doctor support each other, like works in tandem uh with how the story flows. It's not just you could place any doctor in the scenario because we just discussed it. Like it's it's kind of difficult to think that any doctor could be. Um, yeah, I suppose. I I do think like they both support each other, uh, and they the other episode that did that was um, loving monsters. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus! But yeah, I think it is. I think it is a mix of the story is great. No, great writing. Davison is the actor that you need. Mm. for this story, the doctor that you need for the story, but everybody else is great as well. Yeah, everyone. Like, everyone, though. There's nobody really that lets it down. It's like everyone read the script and thought... I get it. Yeah. Like, everyone was on the same page. That's what it felt like. It was brilliant. It's, yeah, it's just great. So, should we go through the other characters or go through the story? Let's um, uh, let's let's do characters. Let's carry on with some characters. Uh, Perry, Perpigillium Brown. I feel like this is. It must be one of her best episodes. Probably. Yeah, I can see why people have the opinion that she is the sex object thing because again we have Jack, who just fantasizes over her. It's pretty much. That's her role is to ha to, to be this object for Jack to have something for him to do. I totally see that, but well, I'm trying to just think now whether it is every story that she's in that that is that the main villain is obsessed. It's probably most of them. No way. Yeah, that's weird. So yeah, probably is. Yeah. Oh, it's such a shame. Because I or, feel, you know, at least has somebody obsessed, not necessarily the main villain, like uh, Revelation of the Daleks. It's um, Clive Swift's character. Uh, I can't think of his name. <laughs> um, what is his name? The Chief Embalmer. What's his name? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, yeah, you know, there's always somebody that seems to be in the stories that's obsessed with her. Hmm. Which is a shame, really, because I, th- I really, really like the character of Perry. I yeah, think I you do. and everybody else knows this. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that she's just sort of written in, or appears to be written in. It probably wasn't intentional. It's hard to know whether they were thinking, right, we're going to just use her for this. Mm. But it's just a shame that she's not developed more, or used in more interesting ways than yeah. just sort of, oh, I fancy you. Yeah, for sure. I think it's... She's not totally seen as a sex object, um, script-wise. I think she's there. Well, she's there as, like, the reason to get the story done, isn't she? So as soon as she starts to become ill, the story starts to shift, doesn't it? To sort of, well, he's got to try and save Perry. Not that the other stuff becomes less important, but it sort of starts to take a back seat, I think. Yeah. Of sort of well, really, I know all this is going on, but I got Perry into this, so I have to get her out of it. Hmm. 
which is nice really because it does uh, I think Nicola Bryant and Peter Davison do have a really nice dynamic because I think they're sort of a similar age as well so mm. I think that helps but because um, I think at the time Davison up until Matt Smith maybe Peter Davison was the youngest doctor to play you know, the youngest actor to play the doctor yeah and Nicola Bryant can't have been that old then. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look actually. You have a look. I'd I'd be very interested to see. So she was twenty four. Right. At the time. Isn't that scary that we I'm older than her. At that time. At that time. It is, isn't it? What are we doing? Isn't it weird? She's done so much with her life. Um but yeah, you know, great character. I love the character. Mm. I think Nicola Bryant does a great job in this. It's a really strong one for her. Re- she really sells everything she has to do. Yeah, the relationship they have in this episode is really believable. I think yeah. she is as a character. I think that's why I like her because yes, she moans that she wants to go, but she's absolutely right to. The Doctor says in this episode that uh, you know, curiosity is his, one of his biggest downfalls. Yeah. Um, and why can't they just have a nice day out somewhere? He's always exactly. got to go somewhere where there's so much danger. Why can we just go back I'll in the TARDIS and like, go somewhere else? But <laughs> so I completely agree with her, and I think yeah, her interjection into like the Doctor's schemes and yeah, you know, what he wants to do um, really adds weight to a Garrett and power for me. I really yeah. like because she could act like uh, Martha in New Who, where she's incredibly passive, no backbone, and just has this inner turmoil to herself, uh, which never really goes anywhere. She just accepts it by the end. It's like right bollocks to it then. Um, yeah. The Doctor really doesn't listen to Perry. Um, he does, but he doesn't take on board what exactly she's saying. Yeah, he's he... not really listening to her, is he? No. Where I think really she just sort of thinks this is a great, it's amazing, but mm. why is it always like death? Yeah. You know, why can't we do something else? And he's sort of a bit dismissive of it, you know, it'll be, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. A scene that's great for it is when she falls down into the web. Mm. Because he's so distracted with whatever he's like researching and looking at it on the floor She's like fell could have fell down like a hundred foot cliff and died. You're right. <laughs> uh, luckily she didn't. Uh, but I think that's a a great scene to encapsulate like what she is to the doctor. Yeah. Um, and it gets flipped on its head, and the doctor is punished for that by the end, and he regenerates. Yeah, right, yeah. I suppose it is, isn't it? That it's his punishment for sort of not listening. Yeah. Or not taking on board what his companions keep saying. Yeah, and which a lot of Davison's era is full of whiny companions. Mm. So well, there you go. Should have listened, shouldn't you, Davison? <laughs> well, you listen now. So, um, in summary, with uh, Perry, yeah, I think it's uh, she's one of my favorite companions. Yeah, she really is. I love Perry. <sighs> so Shara's Jack, Christopher Gable, thoughts. He's good, isn't he? He's great. He's one of the strongest characters in this story, for sure. Yeah. He's he, so he, interesting to watch. 
he plays it just on the line of if you do it any more, it'll be hammy. Mm. So just, you know, hold it back a little bit, Chris. But it's so, it's wonderfully over the top. Mm. Like, he's such a theatrical. Yeah. You know, oh, everything terrible, you know. I love the bits where he overhears a conversation. He goes off, he leaves a conversation, say that the Doctor and Perry are having. He leaves, looks around, you know, the back of the set, and then looks over his shoulder and says, Do you want to know what I look like? like why don't you just stay in the conversation? It's so theatrical, but it's brilliant. What did you think of his what did you think of the makeup on the reveal as well? I really wish didn't reveal it. I was really having my fingers crossed that they just would never let the audience see his face. But they it's did. It's one of those, isn't it? But I'd say it's it could be worse because you have the feeling that they're gonna reveal it all the time. Mm. But they only do it that you know, that yeah. one reveal, don't they? And then he puts it back on. Oh, just how much more which... powerful would it be just to have the reaction of the characters? See his face. It, yeah, the makeup was was fine. It was good, but in my head, it was so much better. I wish they just left it. Um, then that's one of my criticisms. It's a small one, um, and I've chosen not to see that now. I've chosen that. No, he doesn't actually look like that. He looks a lot worse. Yeah. Um. But no, yeah, he's a great, great character, and Christopher Gable does it so well. You know. So well, I'm not too sure about the uh, costume. He does it's look a, like a gimp. It's a bit leather, isn't it? Well, I yeah. think I'm pretty sure on the um, the special features on the DVD, they basically picked him because I think they wanted somebody very slim, you know, and tall, who just sort of fit what they thought he'd look like first mm. of all. And I think. Um, Graham Harper had worked with him before. So sort of said, well, do you want to do it? And I think he took some convincing. I think he's when when they asked, would you do it? I think it took him a while to sort of say yes. Why didn't he want to do it? I think for actors, I might be wrong, I think they see it as a bit of a joke. Not Well, not a joke. It's just not very serious. Doctor Who? Yeah. Okay. And I think especially the 80s, it it has a sort of a cheap aesthetic mm. to it where you just sort of... Yeah. You're I, a working actor. I haven't sort of just... seen 80s things, but I've absolutely seen the title sequence. Fuck me, it's rough. I don't think... I, this is one of the better ones, I'd say. So, when was this story? What year did it come out? Yeah. Uh, 1984. Oh, right. oh, I'm talking like late 80s then. Are you talking the blue? All this very s- CGI. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Sylvester McCoy one. Disgusting. It's horrid. It's, yeah, it's not great. And the soundtrack is even worse. I don't mind the theme, I've got it's, to be honest. It's very it? of its oh. time, though. Yeah, for sure. Even the, the logo is so of its time. Oh, yeah. It's just icky, though. It's dire. Yeah, the, the the logo is awful. Oh, uh, isn't it like written? It's like a Miami Vice sort of thing. It's like written. Yeah, that's what it is. It's written disgusting. in. Disgusting. It? Yeah. Uh, it is Miami Vice. I've never now. thought of it that way. It's so gross. I hate. I can't wait to watch an episode. Um, well, it won't be long. It won't be long. One of them. So, um, 
Sheriff's Jack Morgus, John Normington, Ponytail Man. Ponytail Man, that's it. Um, so, so he's another actor who really understood his character and what his role is was in the story. Um, at the beginning, um, like you know, midway through Act Two, up till then, I honestly assumed he was just another throwaway character. Um, unsure why he looks at the camera. Uh, I was, I've written that in my notes that because he doesn't do it after the reveal that he's the bad guy. He's he's a great slimy character who really sort of transitions into being the main villain. Yeah, that transition because, was beautifully done. Yeah, because Sheriff Jack basically at the end just wants Perry to live. Yeah, so helps the Doctor and says that you know this is here. Da, 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 da. And then Morgus sort of turns into the the real villain behind mm. everything. You know, but he does that aside to the camera, doesn't he? Where he turns around he on his does. seat whilst he's on the call, and uh, yeah, it's not great. I don't know whether is he looking into the camera or is he looking just slightly to the camera? It, no, it's directly into the camera. Yeah, um, I think it comes off as tacky and weird, but uh, it's one of those where, like I've said before, when everything's so well crafted, there must have been. Good intentions for that. There must have been a reason. Um, it, although yeah, I don't it think it's a good decision. Because like it's, you know, like we're discussing about it, it's unclear why they did it. Um, yeah, it's, it's not it there for any reason, is it? No. They could have They could have had the same thing, because the stuff he says is like he's saying his inner monologue. So yeah. he could have just, they could have had him just cover his mouth and he mutters it. I can only assume it's like a device used by the writers. So if he's talking directly to the audience, then he knows something all the other characters don't. It just makes it a bit pantomime, though. It does. There's much better ways of alluding to the fact that, oh, he's actually the villain. Um, I'm I'm assuming that's why they did it, uh, to make it more clear that, oh, he is the real real villain. But, yeah, it's not very welcome, I don't think. No, it's... it's one of the things that it's one of the only things, probably, other than the magma beast, that as I was watching it, I I'd completely forgotten about that bit, and I just thought, oh no, yeah, it's another one of those things where it's just not welcome. It really There's just doesn't... no need for it to be there. No, the story is that... so driven by uh, you know these characters and the world building throughout. That you just assume these things are there. It's because it's so well crafted. Everything else, it's very easy to just believe what the characters say. There's a monster yeah. down there. I'll completely believe that because what the performances are telling me, like verifies that completely. I was completely in belief of that. Um, and then they show it. Man, why? I can only. Well, it's a kids show. At the end of the day. You know, it's an appeal to... It's not totally a kid's show, but it's definitely in their best interest to appeal to kids. And if you don't have... If you only have a man in a gimp suit, that is the closest thing to a monster, it's not very entertaining to I a suppose, kid. Yeah, you do need a, you need something there, yeah. don't you, probably? But that creature's but... only in it for 10 seconds on, on screen? What's the point? Yeah, if that. If it must have cost a fortune as well to do that suit, and it looked awful. Did you see it, though? I saw I it, I don't yeah. think it cost a fortune. 
you'd be... Have you got a dinosaur head over there? Have you got a cape? <laughs> yeah. Well, they might. Re- it seemed like they might reuse props from something else. Uh, I would have thought so. Dairy That's me. something I should have had a look at. But, yeah, okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> uh, what about Salatine? It's tricky not just to say he was done... You know, he was, his performance is good. You know, it's believable. Um, I think, yeah, to be honest, now we've gone through the sort of main four people, mm. the majority of the rest of the cast are not filler, but they're all good. You yeah, know. this should never be a character that's just there. Everybody plot else reasons. is... It should yeah. be to support everyone else. You know, someone to bounce off, someone to, you know, to explore the characters. Like, we... So with Salatine, it's not just, oh, he's the helper, um, he's got, cl- you know, clone and stuff like that, which is often um, synonymous with New Who, where it'll just be a throwaway character that doesn't do anything. If anything, it's just comedic value, you know, comedic effect that they're there mm. for. Um, yeah. But no, it his role really uh, sets in stone... Uh, Chelak's character, I feel he values his his colleagues more than you know his his career, and that at the beginning of the story, he's this you you believe that he's this cold, callous sergeant like figure, and, yeah. and by the end, like Jack, like the ponytail man, uh, these characters are flipped, um, and yeah. it's a common theme in this. Yeah, most people have got sort of two characters, haven't they, really? There's yeah. two sides to all of them. Character which is nice. development. Crucial for a good exactly. story. Exactly. And New Who unforgivably forgets this. That is true. I, I would say, yeah, you know. But then again, it's not really given the time to do it, is it, New Who, because of the one-episode thing? They've got an entire series, though, to do this, because it, it, New Who is of this era where... Um, every episode follows this overarching, you know, story. Uh, where old who's very much these segments of, um, you know, little stories, and eventually they might tie in to one another. But like you said with Adric, he's forgotten about the next episode. When knew who would never do that. Well, try not to. They anyway. just keep bringing him back, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, to be honest, I'd say that's mostly all we need to go through for the characters. Because everybody else is great, aren't they? Stots, uh, Salatine, yeah, the president, soldiers. It's not a huge cast, really, is it? It's a weighty one, though. Extremely yeah. weighty. It feels I feel like any more, and it would be cluttered. Mm. But, you know, and they all have nice bits of dialogue to say. Nobody gets sort of left with pointless things that they're doing. You know, it's all there for a reason. Mm. Um, what? So, what do you think of the main idea of the plot then? What do you think of the main idea? I've talked a lot. What? Do, what do you think? Um, I think it's. I think it's. It's brilliant. I'd, I'd say that the. You know, other than the magma beast, which is there for no reason, like we said, it's. It's dark, and it. To be honest, I'd say it's. It's mainly. A dialogue heavy. Story. Yeah. But it works so well in that everything that is in the story is in there to serve the story, 
There's nothing Absolutely, in there where yeah. they go to somewhere and you think, well, why are we here? It's got nothing to do with it. Like, how does the like scenes where the Doctor's running through the desert or dunes or whatever it is and he's getting shot at and there's explosions and you know, all this crazy stuff in this episode that's so dialogue-heavy and political, but it just works. Yeah. It is a very political story, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Well, that's what... So how does that not come off cheap? Like, oh, they have to put some action in here. It's, yeah, it's completely believable. It's just brilliant. It's and to be honest, I haven't got much to, much else to say about it. That uh, can we talk about? I think the biggest character, the cinematography, Graham Harper. It's so in your face that it's so hard to miss. It's incredible. So it, yeah, so much of it told. And delved into these characters and this world, from the smallest things like uh, the the light casted on Chalak's face uh, when we're introduced to him. There's little decisions like that. Why? Well, I think with Graham Harper, this was his first Doctor Who story, or his first full one. He did a little bit on um, Warrior's Gate, but this is his first full credited Doctor Who story. Mm. Um. And he, I think everybody was a bit surprised, really, because I think the thing was to direct from the gallery back then rather than on the floor. Mm. So it was a bit of a shock to everybody when he was on the floor, sort of with the characters and with the camera, like showing them how he wanted them yeah. to look and where they wanted to be. And everybody sort of thought, this is. they've said this on the special features, where everybody was thinking, this isn't going to work. Why is he doing this? Mm. And then it turns out the way it did. But, you know, we've done a few Graham Harper stories now, haven't we? Mm. Um, Caves of Androzani, Revelation of the Daleks. We've done that, haven't we? Um, Utopia, Last of the Time Lords, Stolen Earth, Journey's End. You know, a big wad of the ones that we've covered have been Graham Harper stories. Oh, so this is the director? Yeah. Okay. I'm utterly convinced that his involvement with this episode was minimal in con- uh, when it, you know, with shots and things like that. I, who was the cinematographer or like DOP? Assistant floor manager, camera supervisor, camera supervisor, costumes, design effects, designer, cameraman. There's only one. Cameraman. Film editor, film and sound, incidental music, makeup, producer, production assistant, script editor, special sound, studio lighting, studio sound. That's it. Maybe it is him. Um, maybe like I think I've already said this. He's so inconsistent. Well, it's infuriating. In all the behind-the-scenes stuff, there's there's quite a lot of it for this story with him. He's in all of the shots of all the behind-the-scenes stuff, mm. where he's like right with the cameraman, saying exactly what he wants. He said, "I want you right, to okay. cl- close two shot then, and I want you to pull away as as Colin sits yeah. up." Well, my, that's totally him then. The production design, though, like the sets and things like that, incredible. Do you know what? I think a lot of the 80s era suffers with its sets because everything is so bright. Mm. The studio lights are always horrifically bright, and it makes all the plastic stuff look yeah worse than, you know. But this story's really dark, so mm. it works. You know, it doesn't make, it really doesn't make that much of a horrible effect. The lighting as well. It everything's so blended in so well. Um, again, it's totally believable. Well, we have we have Don Babbage to thank for that. Oh, do we now? 
We do have. Thank he you, had Don. a field day on the story. He did. That's studio lighting by Don Babbage. Absolute field day. But it's great, you know. And can we anything else you'd like to add on? I'd like to say something about. Well, what about effects? Effects. I don't think there is a lot, is there? Really. There's a few explosions. The mm. explosions in the sand dunes are great. You've got that classic. They have uh, like uh, stormtrooper aim. Oh yeah, nobody can aim. Oh, really, you can't shoot them from there. Give me the gun, I'll do it. God's sake! And they're trained. Um, yeah, you had the explosions. The android looked cool. Androids. The eye. Yeah. As well, the little mm-hmm. thing in the eye. I will Very say there's good. one slight. Well, it's not slightly dodgy. It's just sort of noticeable now looking back. That opening shot where the Doctor and Perry's voices are dubbed on after, where it's a really far, you know, wide, far away shot of the TARDIS and they're just sort of walking about. All of that mountains and everything is like painted on, isn't it, and sat Mm. above the camera. But it's it's not done terribly. It's, you know, it's it's fine. Mm. But it's just sort of did it did you need to see that? You could have just sort of done another sandy bit. But that technique is used so much in old Who. Like it was in the Brave and Morbius as well. Um Oh yeah, I suppose yeah, yeah, I suppose. I just think probably because it's outside, I think whenever it's used in an, in Doctor Who normally, it tends to be indoors. Mm. So it's it is and quite physical, dark as well. Yeah, it's like a physical thing that's yeah. at the back of the set. Whereas this is something that's added on... Well, like the corridors in... Revelation. Revelation, yeah. Yeah. So it's, but, it, but again, that's dark. Mm, I think it just makes it a bit more obvious when, you, when you're filming outdoors on film. I think the outdoor bit stuff's on film, isn't it? Where did they film it? Um, it's a quarry somewhere, isn't it? It's always a quarry. <laughs> Would you like me to find out where yes, exactly please. it was? Filming locations. Oh Christ! Uh, so the out, uh, all the out, uh, the exterior stuff is Masters Pit, Hansen's aggregates in uh, Stokeford Heath in Stoke, Dorset. Yeah, was gonna. I've been there. Have you? Have a bollocks! <laughs> I, I remember. I, well, I saw that rock. I saw that bit of sand. Brought it home. So um. Well, really, I suppose before we do anything else, and this probably ties into effects as well, we should talk about the regeneration. Before that, go on. I want to pick. I want to pick your brain. Pick, pick, pick. So in Revelation, yes, you thought that there was one scene in particular that shouldn't have been there. It was too violent, really. Yeah. The torture scene. I know what you're going to ask me now. So in this story... So the two gun runners, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Outdoors, the two gun runners. For me, it's. I think it's just that it's a woman. Right, okay. In That, I, that sort of makes it sort of, you know, it's not right. Whereas, like, yeah. these are sort of two gun-ho gun runners. So mm. it's sort of... I mean, it makes him eat, make him think that he's eating like a cyanide pill or something. Yeah, like that's horrific. It is awful. Yeah, yeah. But it's just one of those things. Like, it annoys me more in. It annoys me more in Revelation because she's doing it for a reason because she wants her dad's body back. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like these are just gun traffickers. So it's like, <laughs> right, whatever you want. Yeah. 
do it yourself. All right, no, that's fine. But, I just yeah. wanted to, you know, catch you out there. But Yeah, I thought no. you did. <laughs> that's fine, okay. So, Moving on. I, I suppose the last effect, really, and a big bit of the story is the regeneration. Mm. So are we talking, like, effects-wise or just the whole process? The whole thing. Okay. The whole thing, yeah. I mean, I love, I will say, sort of leading up to the regeneration, I love that he fights off the regeneration just to save Perry. So that whole last episode is basically him trying to hold it back, that it's, you know, it's like he's going to be sick, but he's holding <laughs> yeah. it back yeah, just to save Perry. Because if he dies, if he doesn't regenerate, she's stuck. Yeah. You know, so he's fighting everything off just to save her. I'd say Would that. You- has that ever happened before? Where the doctor's really. actually trying to fight against his regeneration? Uh, that happens in New Who, doesn't it? Yeah, but not. It's it's quite in a vain way. It's never because I but I don't have time to regenerate. I need to, you know. Yeah. It's more of like I don't want to change. No, no. Me, me, uh, me, me, me. Yeah, at least the ones I've you know, like I said, I, the ones I've seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I so, think, what do you think of the regeneration? It's only part of the story. I think the pacing's kind of off it, I, I just wish they took another attempt on it um, I think it was very rushed from what I've read all of that recording of the regeneration scene at the end was done like 15 minutes before we've got to get out no for real yeah yeah that's so yeah. funny so I think it was sort of slightly rushed they've done oh, well done for doing it and yeah. it's it's all filmed all of the recording of that is saved so all of the bits that are mm. cut out and st- you know it's all on the behind the scenes stuff um but yeah it's i wouldn't say it's bad and i like that no, in old who all the regenerations are different whereas nowadays it's all the flame thing isn't it where they're quite christ-like mm. yeah and it's it's all and I, I, i'm not a big fan of the flame thing it annoys me every time it no, happens i quite I don't like know, it I don't know why. It just seems a bit over the top. I don't think so. He's completely changing his entire DNA. Yeah, but would he burst into flames? I know it's not flame, is it? But it it's just why is it such a massive thing? So much like energy and power involved in it? I don't know. It'd be a it'd be just be a pain. Like imagine in the home world, Gallifrey, like if your dad's gonna regenerate, you're like, get everything off the walls. Get everything away. That's not yeah. It's think of it more of like this is the end of this actor's um, life as the Doctor. It has to be something powerful and something in your face and like, holy shit. Well, it's yeah. I mean, there's some of the old ones that are quite poor, especially, I'd say, uh, Pertwee to Baker. Mm. So third Doctor to fourth Doctor, doctor where it's just literally a fade. Ah, okay. You know, it's just yeah. between the faces. But... I'd say, for me, I'd say the most icon- iconic one is the first Doctor to the second. What happens there? Um, it's just the shock of it. You'll have to watch it. Hmm. It's on YouTube. All the regenerations are sort of are there. I don't agree. I think it. it's well worth watching it because I think it's it's quite sad, really, that knowing how ill William Hartnell was at the time, hmm. you know, and it's yeah, it's, it's just great. But anyway, this one. It's a bit sad that Peter Davison's last words are Adric. Oh, isn't that poor? Yeah. Uh, You'd be annoyed. I mean, it's cheesy. You've got all the floating heads. Um, Adric. 
Yeah, all the people talking. Um, die, Doctor! Die! Yeah, the master. It's, yeah, it is the, just the only real scene in this whole story. Where I'm just it's, It just doesn't sit right with me. I really wish they had another filming day or something like that. Um, Should we do it in the morning? Oh, just something like that, yeah. A, a, a funny aside note is that Peter Davison has said quite a few times that he wasn't very happy with the way the regeneration was filmed mm. because um, I've got a quote from here that he was um, he wasn't happy that the regeneration was his upge- uh, uh, sorry his regeneration was upstaged by Nicola Bryant's cleavage because in all of the regeneration she's just leaning over him and apparently it wasn't intentionally filmed that way but Peter Davison just has said loads of times that no matter where he looked, he just had oh, to look yeah. bolt forward to yeah, make it... Trust as, him, yeah. All yeah. right. We are right, Davison. We believe <laughs> you. But, I th- yeah, I think it's a good regeneration. And it, it's a nice end to the story. I can't see how you'd end it another way. No, obviously, the, obviously, the, the choice you know, to... They knew, yeah. they knew that he was leaving the series before because I think you have to give a season's notice. Yeah. Or you have to before the this season starts, you have to say I'm leaving now mm. so you can finish this block. So and I think it's a, a good story. Like it's a great way mm. to kill that character, you know, to make it uh, it's believable. All the lines are pointing to this point. Like I don't know if it could have ended any other way. It had to be regeneration. Did you see it coming? Because um, I don't think did I didn't tell you it was a regeneration, did I? And did you know or sense anything, or was there a point where you thought, "Is this going to happen?" Because well, when for he me, said I that I'm going to regenerate, I think I cottoned on then. Maybe <clears throat> where does he say that though? At what point? Uh, it's where he cl- when at, he at the end, Perry, is it? And then he says, uh, "I only had enough for one." Uh, so, when he's on, well, yeah, he was, yeah. So I think it's pretty unaware what's happening until mm. they get back in the TARDIS isn't it? It's so frustrating because I don't know what to say about it. I'm so stumped mm. because it had to be done I I the way they did it I enjoyed it Um, I don't know to be honest I can't recollect a regeneration that I thought perfect it's always awkward it's always not quite done right of what I've seen I'd do you know what I'd I'd say that the um yeah the Hartnell to Troughton one is probably the best okay. for me. I feel like you'd need a good three minute send off of you know not just talking heads you know spouting gibberish. Um, like, mm. die doctor, die! Like, come on, we want an actual heartfelt a wrap up. I think this is it. Like, uh, the doctor realized that he was ignoring Perry. It jeopardizes you know. Mm. Almost jeopardized this whole thing. Almost killed them both. Um, and you want that nice wrap up, the nice conversation. It never really happened. Yeah, like you want an apology. Is that what you Something. like? You know. Um, yeah. and it's and the there. Is- it's unspoken. Uh, but then uh, throwing in the face all this blatant, you know, talking heads. Um, all the things swimming around the doctor's mind, all the guilt and stuff like that. And Perry's not there. Uh, well, what does what? It just yeah. didn't hit the nail on the head for me. And then you get Colin Baker's first lines of sort of, that's three eyes in three seconds. That makes you a very egotistical young lady. And you just want to punch him in the <sighs> yeah. face. 
Fuck off, Colin. Why did you say oh, that? It's, it's such a sad ending because he comes into it and <laughs> then acts all like he he just <sighs> makes the whole episode seem redundant because he's here now. Like fuck off. No, I think this is the don't. first episode where there's like a little scene after he's regenerated. I think every other time it's just sort of the transition to the next face and mm. then it stops where he gets to speak. I can't think if it happens anywhere else. I don't think it does. No. So this is the only time in Old Who where he actually gets to speak afterwards. Yeah, I think so. In the same episode. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I'm glad yeah, they so, did. Yeah. If, this, if this is how they're going to play it, I'm glad they didn't do it. Because he's a cock. <laughs> what a horrible way to introduce him. It's... Oh. I, so I, moving I, on? I, well, I just wish there was mourning for the old doctor. Like, the companion got so used to... So used to Peter Davison, his character. Um, and there's no mourning there. Like that, it just it it just sort of makes the relationship feel a bit dead, doesn't it? That he doesn't address anything when we, the whole yeah. point of the story has been that he's, you know, well, not the whole point of the story, but the ending of the story is that he's accepted that he needs to save her because he got her into it. But it's unspoken. But then it's sort of yeah, you know, it's forgotten about a little bit. Ah, moving on. Fuck it. <laughs> uh. Music. Now you're best to take the reins on this one. <laughs> I'm not one to pick up on music unless it's blatantly obvious. I'd say this is a very memorable score from Doctor Who. Okay. The Caves of Androzani. Well, it's on CD as well. You can buy the whole um, isolated soundtrack. I think it's on the DVD as well. Sort of isolated soundtrack. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, there's loads of little themes that pop up all over the place that are really great. Um, I've been trying to th- work out what all of the synths are. So it's Roger Lim that did the soundtrack for this, who did uh, Revelation of the Daleks as well. Yeah. And the th- the music from Revelation of the Daleks is very similar to this in themes and sounds. Mm. So I'm pretty sure all of the brassy stuff is one of those things there. Uh, an Oberheim <laughs> OBX. Right. Because it sounds exactly the same, like it's a brassy, thick sound. Um, all the drum stuff, I think, is a Fairlight. It doesn't sound like a Lindrum. It's like a very early, horrifically expensive sampling computer, like millions of no. pounds. Yeah, yeah, horrific. Um, there's uh, chorusy synth pad stuff, stringy things, um, which sounds like an Elka could be wrong i think it is it could be a profit i'm not sure but it doesn't sound profity enough for me this is really nerdy this isn't it mm-hmm. well that's why um, i want you to take the reins yeah one of those things there one of those Odyssey. things there one of those things over there <laughs> uh, an app odyssey which is all the little bleepy um sort of uh arpeggiated bits and then there's one of those things there <laughs> the, the, pointing mind, to- they can't See they it. can't see that, can no. they? Uh, but I'm pointing to the relevant synth, uh, the DX7, which is all of the sort of guitar-soundy bits. But overall, I think the I think the score's great. It works in all the right places. 
there's nothing that sticks out as sort of being yikes mm. that's horrifically loud or that doesn't work it just works really well and for me i think well we've said this before a score always seems to work best where not that you haven't really noticed it but it well I suppose yeah that you haven't noticed it because it hasn't got in the way mm. so it's sort of done its job that it's you know there's some, maybe some themes that you've picked up on or you noticed something mm. where there's a lot of um tom's hot uh, tom tom things that are all over the place in this but they work for where they are there's nothing mm. it's very of its time you know it's really synthy but i think it works well i do too yeah i can't remember it so it must have been good oh there you go <laughs> So that's about it for that one, isn't it, really? Would you say? Anything else you want to add to that? No. No. <laughs> so, should we give this one a, a rating first out of ten, and then move on? Right. So, bear uh, in well, mind... Well, hang is, on. Go on. Go on, go on, go on. Go on, this go on, rating go on. Si- this rating system... It's flawed, isn't it? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Um, I was trying to think what better way you know we could do this... Um, maybe a one-two-three system. Okay. Or a traffic light system. Yeah, traffic. That's the one. Okay. Um, are we going to move could, over to that? Maybe we could even, you know, go, you know, expand it a l- little bit and go to five. Five colors. Five colors. So, you know, I'd I'd like the bottom rung, you know, red, to be it's absolute trash. Don't ever watch it. And okay. the highest point being this is golden. It's a must watch if you you know if you've never seen Doctor Who, just see these episodes. Green, green, green. Yeah, that's all you need to watch. Or should we do that then? Should we do that then? Should we completely change our vote our thought system? I think so. And go for the traffic light method. Because doing it that way, we don't get trapped in that well, I rated last week's eight, but this one is so much better. That's a good idea. Should we do that then? Let's do that then. Traffic light system, red bad, orange, amber, fair, middle of the road, green, brilliant. Okay. Or good. Green. Green. (laughs) Brilliant. There we go. Both two greens. There we go. All right then. All right then. Oh, I like that system. It's a lot more... uh... Concise. Yeah. Uniform. Uniform. So, now, over to you. This is Love and Monsters. Hang on. I got a brand new pair of roses. You got a brand new key. Oh, God. Synopsis. That's going to be annoying, isn't it? Synopsis. Mm. An ordinary man becomes obsessed with the 10th Doctor and Rose Tyler and uncovers a world of living nightmares. Got some TARDIS Is that all it is? Yeah. Right. What did you think? <laughs> Right. Um, I thought it was utter dog shit. Right, okay. 
I've got to be honest. You must have right? a lot to say then. I've got a lot to ri- I've got lots written down. I've decided. You know. I don't see why I'm trying to defend stories when I think they're crap. Right. By writing things that are good. I think there's very little that's good in this. Oh, right. Okay. So I may as well just say it as it is. Okay. I think it's crap. I, I just think it's absolute shite. I want to convince you now that it's, it's one in the green pile. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? It is. Uh, because it's green, li- but not on the same level as Androzani. Uh, it's almost of its own kin. Well, they call it Dr. Light episodes, don't they? Yeah, this, it doesn't this work. this really <laughs> spawned that idea in uh, the Doctor Who universe of having these um, stories based on, you know, side characters, background, extras, you know, stuff like that. Whole episodes dedicated. I think uh, Peter Capaldi had one. I think Matt Smith had an episode where it was like low key. Um, and I'm not too sure which ones, but I, I do think he had them. Um, so for me, yeah. Uh, well, let's do a bit of background for this production schedule wise. Uh, yeah. So they were filming two stories at the same time during the filming of this. And at the time of recording Love and Monsters, or filming it, uh, they were actually doing episodes eight and nine as well at the same time. And that's why, uh, you know, Tennant and Billy Piper aren't really in it. Well, see, I've got something different there. What have you got? So I've read up that it was intentionally written completely as a Doctor Light episode and filmed over the span of the series. Uh, I mean, I got that from the extras, and Russell T. Davis said it himself. All right, okay. So, either he's lying, or... <laughs> he could be. So, yeah, so it's a Dr. Light episode. Um, The purpose of this is really to expand on the Who universe, isn't it? Yeah, but it doesn't do it. It absolutely does do it. In what way? Do we? Can I just say? Oh, go on. <laughs> Jumping at the bit. Um, I think it achieves it wonderfully. Right. It's really to. It's a different perspective, isn't it? Um, and this is what happened. This is what occurs when a doctor isn't there, and then he just turns up and saves the day. This is you know, this is a bystander. This is what they go through and. Yeah, but can we... Yeah, um, The doctor turns up and saves the day. Yeah. He snaps a walking stick. Now, we're jumping ahead now. Yeah. We're jumping we ahead now. Um, this is going to be fun, isn't it? This is going to be fun, isn't it? So, yeah, it's to, you know, the purpose of it is to expand the universe, and it's a clever idea to do. You know, these have been done before. Um, episodes like, like this, I think Star Trek did it. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, stuff like you know, uh, Focusing on extras. And you know, smaller characters, dedic- mm. you know, dedicating a whole episode to them. Um, I think what's unique about this one is that it's a character we've never seen before. That's cool. Um, and I think the character of Elton's played brilliantly. Phone, fuck off. Vibrating the whole desk. 
Yeah, so Mark... Are we talking about Mark Warren's character? Can, you fu- can, can I speak? Go, <laughs> Go so on, then. Carry Mark on. Warren plays it like brilliantly. Um, have you ever seen him anything else? I've got to be brutally honest. I think he's dreadful. Right. I think he's one of the worst actors that's been in Doctor Who. No way. Yeah. Honestly... I watched it. Everything he said, I sort of had my hand over my ears thinking, why is this happening? Okay, so let's explore the characters first. I'm, get- I'm guessing we already understand your thoughts on this episode. Um, okay, so, character of Elton. Yeah. So what is it you hated? It's just the whole performance of the character is dire. Right. It's so college play. He just can't act. I'm sorry. He can't it's act. It's terrible. He, c- he can absolutely act. Um, so the uh, the character Elton is supposed to be this bog standard guy, uh, the everyday man. Um, he but he plays it in a way that's so awkward and so like a damaged like loner from his childhood. Let Let's say it. CBBC. What? No. Yeah. No. Oh, it's one of the scenes where he confronts Victor Kennedy. Oh, it's such a... I love that scene. I'm guessing you hate it. I just... I don't... I really can't see what... I don't get it. I really don't understand. This episode... I put here, right? Yeah. Elton and Ursula... A fucking dire and make it feel like a college play. They're just dreadful. They're not. Oh, God. And the talking to the camera thing. And I guess that at this time, when this came out, was paranormal activity and everything a thing? The camcorder filming f- phase. Mm. No, it's, Was it's, that a thing at this point? This is a little bit earlier. Is it? Yeah. No. Yeah, that was all in, you know... 2007? Well, yeah, it's just slightly early. Like, that came in, like, about 2009 onwards. Like, Cloverfield, Paranormal Activities, all that shite. Right. It's just... Let me have a look, because I don't want to... Yeah, Cloverfield's 2008. Okay, 2007. Paranormal Activity. It's this was about the time when it started to become you know popular. Um, I don't think it's really related. I don't think they looked at these films because it's very very early in this era now of having these found footage things. Um, yeah, because Blair Witch really spawned um, this idea that you could film in this way. Um, and I, but this is complete resurgence. You know, following two thousand eight onwards, um, it's it's just that bit too early. I don't really think they saw these films and thought, right, we'll just copy it. For me, it was done that way because it's just, I'm guessing again, it's relatable. But this is like, this is all pre, pre-YouTube, probably? Uh, no, nah, this is pretty much like, this is like the heyday of YouTube. This is when it was great, like 2008, 9. It just, I just got so bored with it. 
just the constant talking to the camera camcorder thing. And he's got this awful way of delivering everything he's saying. And that's when I met the doctor. And that's when it went, rah! And I just, oh, God, make it stop. And the ELO thing. I love ELO. I put my hand up. ELO. They're great. Well, they just keep oh, playing ELO yeah. songs all the time. Well, it's the same one, really, isn't it? Over and over again. Well, they still bring me down. I tell you what, Jeff Lynne made a fortune out of the publishing on this. I think it's quite clear that this episode is polarising in the community. It truly Agreed. is. Um, the things I'm going to say isn't... It's been said before. It, like I, I watched the episode, wrote all the notes down. I thought, this is brilliant. You know, I feel like I've got a real grip of this and I hope to bring some new th- thoughts to to the community. Then I went to, you know, just have a look at YouTube. And uh, yeah, it's all been said before. So I think it's going to be interesting more so to try and convince you. It's going to be tough. I'll give you that. So, yeah, with this video, it's, it is a window into his life. It's something to make him more relatable. Um... The way he delivers it, and you have a real problem with his delivery of the whole character. Everything. 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 I cannot stand anything he is doing on screen. Every single time he is on the screen, I clench my fist. (laughs) Honestly, it's it's as if they wrote this story thinking, right, do you remember that Welsh lad? What is everything he hates about Doctor Who? And we'll put it all in. Just awful acting. It's not. It's it's terrible. It's not. I can't understand how you can sit there and say it's not terrible. Because it's not terrible. It's not great. It's not. It's amazing. not terrible. It's fucking dire. <laughs> it's awful. It's not. Luke. No, Luke. It's terrible. There's nothing good to say. I'll say it anyway. <laughs> I've nothing left to say. But I'm going to say it anyway. The character of Elton is, you know, it's embedded in him that he's damaged in some way. A drip. He's damaged. Um, you know, he had a horrible experience when he, in his childhood and he saw his mum die and stuff like that. And the doctor is ingrained in him. And you, you can see the character he's portraying. This is um, yeah, Mark Warren. Is this very awkward man who... Yeah, I've I've seen it being said that he's an everyday man, but I don't really see that. I do think he is this this loner who finds um friendship in this group um of like minded people, and they are just like dorks, really, aren't they? Linda, mm, they are really uh, dorks with no backbone, but it makes them well, s- s- like likable to me. And but they're wh- all there mm. because of their experience with the Doctor, aren't they? Initially, but do we know? Yeah. But do we know any of the other reasons why, other than Elton? Well, we're hearing this story uh, from Elton's point of view. Ev- but they never ev- discuss anything else. Well, well except for Elton's telling the us o- the story, so this is his narrative. I suppose so, but like, oh, it's just shit. It's not. It's just shit. You got to stop saying that. We got to explore it. Ugh. Uh, right, I'm not going to say it again. You will. I just don't Bridget. say it after every comment. But it's shit. Oh, God. 
That's not good enough to say it's shit. Is it? It's Bridget, isn't it? Uh, yeah. We, we she was. We had a, a fight with her in Costa. Remember? Battles in time. Oh, was that? No, that wasn't Bridget. That was, was Ursula, Brid- wasn't it? No, it was Bridget. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Black hair. Oh yeah, probably. Um. So the whole reason she's there is nothing to do with the Doctor. It's because she's lost her daughter, has gone missing in London. They have some connection to the Doctor, don't they? Um, it, I mean, it could be she lost her daughter. It could have been one of those uh, events like Christmas or something like that, or the Autons, and maybe she thinks that the Doctor has the answers. So she joined this group to try and find her. And the Doctor. Um, we don't know, but it's not really that important because it's not really about the Doctor this episode at all. Well, does anything happen in this episode? Now, what do you mean by that? Well, it's just nothing happens. Well, it... We spend half the episode, nothing yeah. happens. Uh, about eight minutes of build-up of literally setting up the story. So this is foreshadowing events, uh, setting up the character of Elton. Uh, we don't actually get any plot points at all. Uh, first eight minutes, that's crazy. Um, I think it works brilliantly. A great choice. <laughs> oh, God. It's a great choice. <laughs> I think, to be honest, right, from the perspective of an old Who fan, not, mm. you know, I'm not old, a classic Who fan, that's what I was looking to say, there's certain things that I think we've learnt, and I suppose you've got to do them to find out that they don't work. First of all, it doesn't work without a companion. We found out the deadly assassin, greater story as it is, there's no companion in that, and that loses the connection mm. because the companion is essentially us, isn't it? We're seeing most of the stuff through the companion's eyes. So you've got to have a companion. Second, if you're going to do a Doctor Who story, put the fucking main character in the story. We don't care <laughs> we about don't Elton. don't care. I don't care about him. <laughs> Oh god! It's not about the Doctor at all. Well, don't really. put it in. Don't do a different series. Do a spin-off if you want to do that. Put it on BBC Three well, so no fucker sees it and it's shit. Well, well, it's loose. When I say it's not at all to do with him, it is in the sense that you know this is. It's as much to do with it as Torchwood. It's like putting an episode of Torchwood in there. Um, it's to do with Doctor Who, but not really. It's... Well, right. no, that, yeah, sort of. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is like a Torchwood episode because the feels Doctor's influence um, on these events during the series, you know, it practically crafted Torchwood. Well, and created Captain Jack. So yeah. it, these are really world-building series and episodes. Series. It's almost as if CBBC said, right, we'd love to do a spin-off. Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, yeah, we got that, but we want another one. What we need is a shitty little meeting with a load of people that just talk crap all the time and, and are awful at miming instruments, right? <laughs> I remember Bridget on the piano. Oh, my God. Awful. And we'll make a series of it. But we're not going to give you a pilot. You'll have to do this in your own well, time, listen Russell. listen to this. Go on. I almost want this to be a two-parter. Almost. Do, do you know what? I remember that I switched off from Doctor Who, sort of, at, I think it was at this point in Tenant, 
because I catch I caught certain things like Journey's End. I think I caught because I remember seeing Davros or a picture of the silhouette of Davros. So I thought I'll watch that. And then I think I saw this and thought, oh, forget it. I'm going to go and watch Deadly Assassin. Should we go through it? Let's go through it. Nothing happens. Uh, the first instance of something going horrifically wrong, and I hate it, is uh, the Scooby-Doo little bit in the beginning. It's oh. horrific. It's awful. Uh, so, can I, the the is comedy the... in this is terrible sometimes. It's awful. So, I haven't really researched this story a hell of a lot. I've just been writing sort of things that... Did you watch it? I did watch it. I've actually watched it twice. Oh, yeah. Uh, so is the whole thing a joke? It's cringeworthy to watch, and it's missed the comedy, but it's got the feeling as if it was trying to be clever and interesting, but it's just crap. But is it supposed to be a joke? I really don't understand what it's trying to do. What are you trying to prove? I I could support this horrendous humour because obviously that Scooby Doo thing wouldn't happen. It's not realistic. You know, that never happens in Doctor Who. And it goes to support the the idea that this is from Elton's perspective. You know, this is a story told by him. And we're just, you know, we're, I, I can't remember the word for it, but like we just have to trust what he says to be true. And obviously the Scooby-Doo thing isn't true. It didn't happen. It probably didn't happen. Um, hmm. And it's probably his dorky, loner, you know, humour. He finds that funny. Um, did, did, yeah. Does the audience? No, no, they don't. Um, then you've got you know another. There's really three big flops when they tell jokes in this episode. This yeah episode. Um, so there's that. There's the absorber off farting. Just like chicken. I like that bit. Um, it pulls everything out of the scene, but yeah. Um, again, I think it might have been Elton trying to such a hor- horrific incident. Again, this is how he copes with it: just shove comedy in it. Get Pete like maybe envisions this Absorbaloff might have been um, a horrendous, horrific creature, but in his mind he's changed it and he's telling the story as if it's like this, you know, this laughable Peter K character, just to make it easier for him to, to talk about it. Um, you know, I, I, and it does support, you know, I, I do think the way they made this episode supports that, um, that idea. Um, but the other f- big flop is the end with the blowjob joke. Awful. Oh, God. Awful. It just, it honestly. I watched it three times that bit because I was, am I getting that right? Did they really do that? It's horrendous. I just can't stand it, honestly. It's awful. Yeah, well, awful. what do you think of that idea, though? That this is, you know, from Ellen's perspective, and I don't, I, ju- I don't like it. It just doesn't work for Doctor Who. It doesn't need it. That's a fair point. Yeah, it just doesn't need it. It's not a format for that. Mm. And I, was, I get that you've yeah. got to test it to see if it works every now and again because you could do it, but the whole story. It's called Doctor Who. Mm. You know, if it was... Uh, well, no, it just doesn't work. Mm. It, I just I really don't think it works. It's almost like 
there was a spin-off comic or something, and they just decided to make it an actual episode. You know, although it, I'm saying, I'm, I, I've got to say, I'm saying that, and we watched Revelation of the Daleks, and they're not in that first episode. No, or they don't have any impact on the plot. They're in it, mm. but you know, they're just going there. Yeah. But even still, they're involved somehow in the second half that they're at least in the story. So, rather so than... they're on this though, aren't they? Yeah, but the the whole... It's just shit. But yeah, they're, they're in, this, in this story as well. Yeah, but, then, yeah, but it's, it's not seen through this perspective of somebody else. The format of the way it's been done doesn't work. Why is Elton the main character? Why is he telling us the story? Now, it's... Uh, I think Russell T. Davis said this, and it's widely considered that this is... You know, for the people who like it, uh, this is a love letter to fans, funnily enough. Well, um, if he, if that's his love letter to me, I tell you what, <laughs> Russell, you can... F- oh, it, no. Yeah, this group of real-life Whovians in that universe... Um, yeah, but isn't surely to God? If that's his love letter, isn't it a bit of a kick in the balls? Well, maybe not. You're like this. You're like this. You know, you're. This is what you're like. <laughs> Look at your little weirdos playing in your little band. Well, it is. I can't yeah. see how you can see it in any other yeah. way. When because I've seen it online where people have said it's sort of you know, it's a, it's painting a picture of what fandom is like. Pathetic, is that what you're trying to say? That we're all That's pathetic? True. Yeah. Damaged you know, in some way. Yeah, you know, you only like this because you're a bit tapped. Idiots, really. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and uh, they, they, they have a weird, weird way of portraying them, uh, that group. Like, uh, Victor Kennedy just run, you know, comes in there and... Lights! Says, ah, it's brilliant, though. I really like it. Because that is so unrealistic. Who the hell turned on the lights? You can... It's... So obviously told from Elton, it's not you can't trust what he's. Did saying. you say who turned on the lights? What? Did you say who turned on the lights? What do you mean? Probably the production assistant that you can oh, see standing yeah, no. over his shoulder. No, I'm in this. Like, no one. Would, oh, fuck off. You, Jed, you can see him standing over his shoulder in the back of the shot. No, you can't. You can. No way. Yes. That's amazing. It's clear as th- somebody's head just stood there. Really? Yes. That's amazing. Lights. Camera. <laughs> Should we get onto the absorval off in the room? Not yet. Not All yet. right. <laughs> yeah, with that group, they're really not asked about people getting absorbed. They're not asked about you know people disappearing. They just accept it. It's um, weird. Like Victor Kennedy just says, "Oh, can you stay here?" And he does that three times, and not once they question, "Wait, what?" It's awful. Um, the whole Linda meeting thing—it sounds bloody horrific. What a horrible thing to put through yourself through every week. Is it weekly or monthly the meet? I think it's month. Well, weekly. Jesus Christ! And Bridget travels how far? Doesn't she live miles away? I don't know. She gets the train. Jesus Christ! <laughs> So you she like Bridget, the telly. Oh, I don't like anybody. It's just... Oh. And it's so... like The plot is so delayed all the way through. It's like it takes forever to do anything. And then we see that thing of like... 
we get that there's all these characters. You're just telling us stuff that we don't care. And Mr. Skinner's writing a book to be continued. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, we got to go to the next bit. What is this got to do with anything? I get that you're building the characters, but they're building the characters so much because there's nothing to be done in this story. There's a load of people go to a meeting because they've seen the Doctor somewhere. Bloke arrives, eats them, they snap a cane, he's dead. I think that's why I was suggesting I'd quite like a two-parter. Because it, it's so much character development. And yeah, like you said, like it, the end's throwaway. It doesn't really lead anywhere. But I, I but really I, yeah, liked just... uh, you know, related to those characters. But there's not enough meat in the plot for it. No, to do I will agree with that, yeah. There's just... Go on, carry on. <laughs> and bloody Jackie Tyler's in it. Christ's sake. Oh, should we get onto Jackie Tyler? If we have to. So this is... One of her worst appearances? No, yeah, I agree. this is the only appearance where she really develops her character. It seems. So people think. She really has time to be herself. No Rose there. Um, you know, no bigger character. Because really, in this, she's the closest thing to the main character in you know, Doctor Who. Isn't you know, that a shame? Is it, when you put it like that, yeah, it is, isn't it? Meet you down the pub! Get him in! Oh, honestly, you had one of those scenes like uh, when Elton first meets her in the laundry mat, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, in the I, laundrette. Laundrette, yeah. I, I oh, God. hated it, didn't you? I was, I was just biting my hands. Literally, please make it stop. Oh, you've only just met me and you just see me naked. <laughs> oh, God's sake, I make it, it funny. stop. I I liked it. I couldn't stand it. Really couldn't stand it. Tell you what, no. I'll go get a pizza. I'll come back. Nice. We'll stick that telly on and we'll put it up really loud and annoy the neighbours. All right. And then. we'll be good mates, proper mates. Go on. Uh, oh say yes. God. No. Fuck Aww. off. <laughs> oh, what is it? Get I... out of my flat. I just don't see. You've just been crying because your daughter's out in the universe battling monsters. And now he said you'll get pizza. It's all right, is it? Oh, no. She she longs for companionship. She's so lonely. Just leave her lonely. I can't stand her. Oh. It's just... Oh, it's the comedy character thing. There's so much of it in, in sort of Russell T. Davis's Doctor Who. And then you've got Stephen Moffat, who's got like three plot ideas. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to get so much hate for this. No, I'd imagine you, a lot of people will agree. Oh, God. It's the constant comedy thing. Why? Why are you doing it? It's not a sitcom. It, it, it It's trying to do that thing, you know, like Doc Martin does, where it's trying to be serious, but there's always, like, an underlying comedy thing that's mm. sort of floating through it. It's science fiction at the end of the day. It's fine to have comedy moments in it. There's plenty of it in old Who. But don't let it take the front. It's just shit. I don't... <laughs> it's just very tacky. The whole look of it looks like CBBC. And I don't know why. Because I don't think any other... other, other blah, blah, blah. I don't think any other story at this point looks this way. 
and I don't know what it is. It's got a very budgeted children's TV feel. And I'm not dissing it for having like a CBBC feel. It's the only thing I can think of to sort of relate to how it looks. But everything has that very cheap feel about it. Everything looks fine. It just looks cheap. It does have this irritating obsession that it has to be. This character needs to be the viewer. This is the viewer. This is the Whovian fan. Isn't it great? We'll, it, we'll change everything about Doctor Who to support that. We will um, make it look more like CBBC so that, you know, it's it's more, um, you know, like staged in reality. Yeah, I, I I don't. It depends if you comment. I don't think that the this episode has a right to comment on uh, the Doctor Who fan base. No, it doesn't at all. Um, no. because any way that it's going to do it, it's going to kick somebody in the head. Because somebody's going to be annoyed by that. Yeah. It, put it this way: the program will divide its fans anyway. Look at where we are now. Hmm. You know, with this whole the whole Jody era has completely polarized fans. You know, it's either you love the program and it's fantastic, you hate it. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's the two extremes. You know, there's obviously there's people in the middle. I'd say I'm sort of more in the middle. I, I did hate well, it at yeah. first, but I'm sort of more in the middle of it now. But if something like that can so piss off fans, think what you're gonna do. Think what's going to happen when you decide to comment on fandom. Yeah, so arrogantly almost as well. Yeah, it's uh, the Absorbalofs considered the like the troll, like the obsessed because they all are fascinated with Doctor Who, aren't they? And they find friendship and um, a real love for just having a community. You know, trying to find the Doctor, and it turns into something else. And then Victor Kennedy comes in and he's obsessed with trying to find the Doctor. He's like a devout fan of Doctor Who um, and takes it so seriously that it ruins the entire um, idea of like loving a show. Um, I thought the YouTube video I watched um, said that he looks like a troll as well, like an internet troll. Like he, he's just so... Well, it was... The monster was designed from a Blue Peter competition, wasn't it? It was. And I think, isn't it, from what I remember, it's nothing like what was designed. I'm sure, it was supposed to be enormous. Um, they got the the key features. Like, it's green, it's fat, it's got a mohawk, uh, faces, and it looks like a troll. All right, okay. It's pretty... It's pretty close. Um, like They're contractually obliged to... Make this drawing a monster. Yeah. What a way yeah. to write yourself into a corner. Bet they would kick yeah. themselves. Please be something good. Please. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Do it something like oh well. That's the best of the bunch as well. Oh. So should we move on to that then? The absorbable off. Peter K. Can I can I shock you? Go on. <laughs> Only joking. Uh, Peter K. I think. He's all right as Victor Kennedy, mm. but as soon as the Absorbaloff arrives, 
end of. Completely agree. Uh, him as Victor Kennedy, it's actual fun to watch because it's not funny, but it's it's yeah, it just makes it more lively. There's at least one character who's like, wow, you know, we've got at least something going on here. Because I know what you mean. It's very, very beige. It's more than beige. It's like, it's like baby shit. Baby shit. It's awful. And even Victor Kennedy has got some completely undeliverable lines, like we said before. Listen to the sound of the universe. Not even Brian Cox could say that and make it sound convincing. No. It's just... And especially with Peter Kay, he can't hide his accent. Right. So I know that... And to be honest, it's sort of a double-sided coin that it works that he can't hide it because he isn't Victor Kennedy. Mm. So it's sort of as if it's hiding underneath. But it makes it as well that some lines just don't work in certain accents. And I'm not being sort of thing to people, like, if you've got that sort of Bolton accent, it's the same for me. Like, whenever there's, like, Welsh people that get interviewed on the telly and you just think, oh, God, here we go. Like, they'll some major disaster's happened and then they'll go, right, we're going to go to Trausvonid now and interview um, Clear. And then they just, it's embarrassing to listen to them say stuff. And it feels the same. Well, they just sort of say stupid. Well, 40 years ago, and the chapel roof fell in, <laughs> and uh, it's the worst disaster the, ch- the village has ever seen. But we all had a raffle now, and it's all sort of, you know. Blah, blah, blah. And it feels the same thing that there's sort of things they can't say. Like, it because it just has no gravitas in that mm. accent. And it's the same yeah. thing with, like, like, don't get Peter Kay to say, listen to the sound of the universe. And thank God, but to be honest. Thank God he arrived in the story when he did. Was it just getting too much by that point? Well, they were they were butchering ELO at that point, weren't they? It was yeah. where the band were yeah. playing. I've never, ever seen... You know, I get it. It must be hard to mine playing an instrument when, you know, you've never if you don't play the instrument. Mm. But surely to God, you've seen somebody playing that instrument before. You'd know like, to actually press the keys on Jesus, the piano. She was playing that piano as if she didn't know which end to blow down. <laughs> blow down. Like, come on. And the drums as well. Come Scary. on. Which it's is, just it's strange because she looks like a piano teacher. She does look like a piano yeah. teacher. Bridget. It's just, oh, it doesn't work. And they were butchering ELO at that point, weren't they, as well? Yeah. Was it Don't Bring Me Down they were doing at that point? Jeff Lynn just counting his checks from the <laughs> BBC. Like 90% of the budget must have gone on the publishing for this. Because that ain't going to be cheap. I'm trying to think why they chose that that track. Probably Russell T. Davis likes ELO. Right. I can't see any other reason to do... Like, you're not going to pick something weird, are you? Like, randomly. No. Um, I think it's important to note that with the Absorber Loft, it can't be a real alien. It's got to be something, you know, Elton thinks of, you know, when he thinks back, and like, this is what he envisioned it to be. Um, I suppose. I feel like the whole episode is using that excuse. Oh, it's okay, because it's not real. And then where, yeah. where, where's the core reason to care about it then? If it's all from his perspective, and um, we're just going to have to trust his word. I think, yeah, the main problem with like this story especially is if you're not invested in that main character, the story isn't going to work for mm. you. So I think if you like Elton, 
you'll like the story. If you yeah. don't like Elton, it's just adding more and more shit on top of yeah. the heap. I, yeah, I think that's the real crux of uh, the division for this one. Yeah. Because um, I, I like Elton. It... I do. I think he's played yeah. well. I love his relationship with Ursula. Oh, see that? she I can't stand her either. She is Moni Myrtle in Harry Potter. She is, yeah. Um, I one of the fa- my favorite lines that she she uh she says. Oh, it's not gonna be where he hits where she says I'm gonna smack you, is it? It's brilliant. Oh God! Use that key on him, and he'll get a hell of a smack on me. Oh, I'm terrified. Oh God! No, sorry. So what's up with Ursula? Why why not? It's just awful. Why? It's just terrible acting. It's terrible acting. Are you sure? Yeah. Now, the problem is, I'm not one to pick up on bad or good acting unless it's awful. Honestly, I don't think anybody's shown in this. Jackie did. It's as if... Jackie did. She's got, you know, one of her scenes outside. No. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've got to disagree. I know I don't like Jackie, but it's shit. I'm not a fan of her, but... It's awful. No, it's awful. You know when it's like they're trying to make you like the character. Like, come on, you will like her. Like, look, look at her, look at her mm. now. She's crying now. She's crying it's, now. Yeah, I think that's one of my biggest criticisms. It's very, it's an incredibly heavy-handed episode that just assumes way too much of its fan base, of its audience, um, and that's why it's so polarizing. I think because it's. It's very audacious just to throw that in there. It's a pro- it's a problem I think that you'll you get with the reoccurring character thing. Mm. That unless that new character, I don't know if anybody else is Jackie a popular character. I don't know. I don't know. But especially to have a character appear so often, especially in this early early period, mm. she's just constantly there. It's always harking back to her. And if you don't like that character, same thing with Elton. Mm. It's just, you're like, oh, here she is again. Here she is again. Here she is again. And it's I think it's, because it's a very grounded, the way New Who is written seems to be very, even more focused on like the companions' lives as well, because it Mm. brings all their baggage with them. You know, you get the whole family. Rather than just the companion, mm. just going, and it, yeah, and it works because we've never really had that before, where we see their family and see what everything's about. Yeah, but you know, tell don't show. Yeah, and you know, uh, to expand on that, I think to what end? Okay, we're getting this expansion on the character of Jackie in this episode. We're getting uh, the story of a bystander. And the effects of you know of of the doctor, mm. um, and to what end though? Okay, we've got the world building. No, no character learned anything from this. Elton's no. not mentioned again. Um, yeah, tell don't show. We already knew this about Jackie that she was there for a daughter. Yes, it's more ingrained in us now that now she has that time to shine, and you know, well. Use that loosely, um, and she doesn't have this. She's not in the shadow of the Doctor and Rose. Um, you know, we can see more of her character rather than just being uh, 
reacting to things uh, that are around her in normal episodes. Uh, but why? Why? Okay, Jackie comes back and she cares about her daughter. We knew that. Now what? It's just, yeah, it's just replayed, isn't it? It's the Pretty same thing much. from, like, different angles. Yeah. Like, we know we miss her, so now let's see how much she misses her from the angle of somebody else coming into her life. And we just find out the same thing. So, there's not, we haven't learned anything new. We're just hearing the same same shit, different day. Yeah. Okay, you know? yeah. Um. But Okay, so that's the story done with. I, I, I think it has some beats in it which are heartfelt, and I really uh, resonate with them. I like them. Um, you know, the Jackie scene where his... Um, where the doctor tells him about his mum and then you see a nice shot of the kid on the field, his mum walking away. I like that. And you got... Oh, the end of Mr. Blue Sky, yeah. isn't it? Oh, God. It's nice, though. <laughs> I, I mean, that's it, isn't it, really? Pretty much. I mean, the effects haven't dated well, either. The CGI is hasn't dated well. I can't, you know, I can't criticise that because, you know, old who. Hmm. You know, that hasn't dated well most of the time. But there's something about that look of early CGI. Well, not early CGI. CGI's been around 20 years by then. Yeah. You know, but... The first time it was used was in... A th- yeah, cheap CGI, isn't it, I think? Yeah, that's the one. The, the like, first time, I think, it was properly used to have, like, a, 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 a body, like a full character in it was uh, Young Sherlock or something like that. I think so. It's like a early nineties thing, or uh, yeah. But anyway, with classic who they always knew most of the time knew how to make the props and the CGI look just a bit better. Wow, well. the effects just <laughs> a bit better. Let's uh, shroud it in a bit of darkness so you can't see it just you know as well. Where the new who's bright, colorful daylight. It's so in your face bad. It's it makes it stand oh, out more, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think it's the budget of sort it. of trying to do CGI. Obviously, it's cheaper to do, but unless you're spending money on it, mm. it's going to look cheap. I thought it was quite... What What was bad in this episode of CGI? I thought it was quite convincing. Just the head in the paving slab and the heads yeah. moving in the body. It just doesn't work, no. for me, anyway. Isn't just it nice if the absorber off to uh, let Ursula have a glasses while she's absorbed? Weird that, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it Why weird? Why is that a thing? I don't know. It is weird. So, that's about it, really, isn't it? Um, Music for this one? Yellow. Yeah. There's a, there's a few bits of Murray Gold stuff that I didn't mind, actually. Maybe because it's less Murray heavy. Mm. There's a lot more soundtracky stuff in there, isn't there? But yeah. it's not as bad. It doesn't... The thing with Murray Gold is he... It doesn't sound like anything else. He does have a very distinctive... Doctor Who doesn't sound like anything else. It was all right. Yeah, it was the the most bearable. Bearable. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was the, one of the better one of the better scores that I've heard Mori do. Okay. It was all right. Hmm. Right. But well, on the whole, it's dog shit. Yeah. Should we should we give it the traffic light thing? I think yeah. Yours is going to be red, is it? Hundred percent red. It's, can I just say, bef- just before we do that... Yeah, go on. It's 153 on the Mighty 200. And there's a lot of stuff, right? So let's have a look here. 
Love and Monsters, 153. Let's have a look what I'd put above that. Pretty much everything. Monster of Peladon? What? That deserves to be up above that. The Time Monster? Above that. Dragonfire? Maybe not. Uh, Silver Nemesis? Maybe not. The Dominators? I really like that. The Sensorites? That's great. King's Demons? Delta and the Bannermen? Gunfighters? Ark of Infinity? Web Planet? That definitely needs to go up higher up. The Crotons? Yeah, the Savages, Attack of the Cybermen, Keys of Marinus. The Keys of Marinus is rated lower than Love of Monsters. Invasion of Time, The Wheel in Space, The Chase, Edge of Destruction. Talking out of their ass. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I was on green for this one. But after talking with you, you convinced me. Really? I'm on, a yeah, I'm on Amber. It is so... Up its own arse. I think it's my uh, my point in this. Like it's so up its own arse. It assumes everything, and it clearly didn't pay off for most people. Um, but if you believe into it, if you buy into it, like I did at first, um, yeah, I wasn't woke to it. <laughs> uh, it's great, you know. Yeah, um, I, sp I suppose it's one of those that if as long as you can just accept th accept it for what it is, yeah, it's fine. But the thing is, it's Doctor Who, and they should sort of know what the fandom is going to do. Yeah. So, you know, play to your strengths. Exactly, that's what it didn't do. And don't do. focus on, yeah. You know. But to a plus, it's refreshing. It's different. It is different. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's red for me. Sorry. I'm going to go with Amber, because it, you know, it does some things brilliantly if you buy into it. Um, yeah. But it doesn't warrant... Uh, it doesn't. There's no reason why you should buy into it at all, really. It's just if you like the characters, you're off to a great start, and it's an enjoyable story for you if you know you want it. And it does expand on a universe, and it is a show. It really is a show, not tell. Uh, but it, you know, there's lots of reasons why it was done. Um, lots of reasons why it should have been shouldn't have been made. But at the end of the day, it's there to stay, and I think it's there if you want some expansion on the universe. Yep. Well, there we go. There we are. Okay, so should we do a bit of feedback? Let's do it. So, weirdly, I think for the past few podcasts, we've had like two or three pieces of feedback. Mm. And then out of the blue, we've suddenly got 14. Nice. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know how to handle this now. Brilliant, though. It yeah, Fantastic. I mean, it's. I know the Crinoid podcast have struggled with this, where <laughs> they have so much feedback that they've had to just say, "Look, we're not doing it anymore." No, <laughs> just we can't read it all out. But to be fair, like whenever I've sent in feedback as well, there's loads. Yeah, like it's getting to like forty, fifty bits, and it's like, yeah, you'd have to do a whole separate podcast where it was just feedback. So, our 14. So, we do one each. Do you want me to go first, and then you go, and then me go, you go? Yeah, let's do it. All right, then. Okay, amigo. Uh, so, amigo. the first one is... You go, me go. Uh, so, the first one is from TSP and OE Podcasts. Well worth a listen. I had a listen the other day again. Very oh. recommended. Yeah. Ooh. Great stuff. Film reviews and bits and pieces. Very good. Uh, and we had a lovely email as well. We did. After that, so it was thank lovely. you very much for that. 
was lovely. True friends uh, so, of the podcast. Oh. Oh. Uh, Love and Monsters was meant to be a sort of comment on Doctor Who fandom, and you can't help but see the parallels if you've ever attended a fan club meeting. But it turns into a huge farce. The creature is stupid and annoying, and the final end, get me a spade! Stupid, in my opinion. Androzani is often regarded as one of, if not the, best Doctor Who story. Not sure if I'd agree with the latter, but from memory, I wholeheartedly agree with the former. Great final story for Davison. Watching years after and not knowing a regeneration was coming, big shock and surprise. Yeah, pretty much agree with what you've said there, to be honest. I've never attended a fan club meeting. Have I? Have I or haven't I? I'd imagine it's quite similar. Yeah, it's probably awful. It is a huge farce where you go in thinking it's just going to be fun. Yeah. Like model railways and then you end up making like a, you know, mile long (laughs) (laughs) huge farce turned into. Uh, Next bit of feedback. Over to you. This is from Keith Say. Loving my... Sorry. (laughs) This is from Keith Say. Loving Monsters is good fun and gives Jackie the chance to be more than comic relief. It's never boring and I would rather watch it than fear her any day. Wow. Wow. Now I much prefer fear her. I I think it's 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 a it's an exciting episode. Um I especially loved Oh, that yeah, fear her. You know, um where her dad comes alive and by the end of the episode and you know, it comes out the closet and you can see him up the stairs a shadow. Uh sort of. Well I vaguely remember it. That's the classic tell not show, which I, I would you know, it's, it's so much more effective than what Andrazani did with the you know, they showed what he is like under the mask. Jack you know. Um But yeah, that's it's it's, it's, it's a, a different opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it is allowed. It is allowed. No, it's brilliant. As soon as I realised that Dr. Beige should have given Perry the bat's milk before carrying her across an exploding landscape, I have never really believed in Androzani anymore. The regeneration is excellent, however. It is true, that. Like, why doesn't he give her the bat's milk beforehand? I know everything's exploding, but yeah. still. That is true. This. Um, he's the doctor. He probably knew how long she had left. I don't know. They probably didn't have time. Probably, yes. But yeah. It did take a hot minute to get her to drink it. Yeah. And what, she choked? If what, she choked on it and then that's it? Made it worse? You'd have to catch it. As she sicks it up, he better have it. Ah. Yikes. Moving on. Uh, Jim from the Crinoid Podcast. New commenter, I think. Yeah, I don't think Jim sent us any feedback before, does he? Uh, well, after this, I don't think anyone has. Apart from... Oh no, God's sake. It's taken this long, Jim. I mean, I'm not impressed, you know. <laughs> I know it's shit to listen to, but, you know, at least you could pretend. Um, Magma Beast aside, Caves is a gritty masterpiece of dialogue, tension, and action. Yes. Love and Monsters? Not so much. I enjoyed it until the Absorbaloff turned up, but the paving slab gag triggered a spate of frenzied road surface abuses, which has seen me in court a number of times. My God. <laughs> what are you doing over there, Jim? Just doing the patio. Just doing the patio. <laughs> oh, it's, hor- it's something horrendous, You're isn't it? Covered in cement. What have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Jim. 
And now, uh, I don't know whether this is a reflection on the stories that we've picked, but I think all of the rest of the feedback is about Androzani. Right, okay. That's fair enough. It's from S. Robert Yard. It's okay. Not the best Davison story, but I do really like the bit when he's on the ship. I Yeah, we didn't comment on that. I quite like that as well. Yeah. It's, it's so nice tension quick. builder. Stop me now! Usually, um, it's quite an awkward thing to do when they have, you know, someone approaching on a screen, drawing ever closer, yeah, and yeah. They're, they're plummeting to the ground, and it, it, the distance doesn't really work with the time, but this fucking plummeted to the ground. It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it pegged it. Great scene. Thank you for that. Next up, Michael Giddens. I think it is Peter Davison's best story and a good final story for a Doctor. I'd agree. It is probably Davison's best story. It is Davison's best story. I couldn't really comment, could I? No. Maybe you'll be able to comment one time in the future. Maybe. Go on, then. Next up. Cameron D. Skirving says, It's one of the greats of all time. Number four on my list. It's the best fifth Doctor story by a long way. If the whole of the Fifth Doctor's era was like this, if we had Graham Harper directing more, it would be up there with the Barry Letts and Philip Hinchcliffe's era. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know who Thanks those people that. are. Wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> you just been poisoned by Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next up is Neptune J. Max responding to Cameron's comment as well. That's exactly what I thought when it was first broadcast in the 80s. I knew it was Davison's last story, and all I could think of was, what the hell? Now he's the Doctor I've always hoped he'd be. I always thought Davison's Doctor was unfairly saddled with babysitting a pack of unruly, stubborn, bickering brats for most of his tenure. And it is very much hamstrung on the bohemian eccentricity of the character. Once he unloaded all the kids under his care, he finally stopped having to be the sober, careful, responsible adult all the time. I would like to see at least one season of him and Perry together. I think the chemistry worked really well right off the bat. The ah, combination right of Perry. Yeah, ah, cricket. The combination of Perry and Colin Baker's Doctor was awkward for quite a while. And I think they would have reached a better rapport more quickly if Perry had been more seasoned with the com- uh, with ah uh, right yeah if Perry had been more seasoned companion with Davison's first that is yeah so I think if she'd have stuck round if she'd have come into the story earlier or had longer with Davison mm. I think yeah she would have definitely worked better with Colin so is is she only in this for like a few episodes before this or is it just the first uh, two episodes before no way. Maybe? Or one episode before. I was, Planet of Fire, she comes in, doesn't she? I honestly thought um, she was in it through through the whole series. No, 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 no. It's no. very convincing. Check, actually. She definitely comes in on the Planet of Fire. What was the story before this? 21. Yeah, it's definitely this. Oh, t- uh, yeah. Planet of Fire. Yeah, Planet of Fire and then Caves of Androzani. Crikey. It's a shame, really, because they do work really well. Yeah. I, I was under the impression that she was there the whole time. Well, that's great. Thanks for that bit of feedback. Colin Parkinson said, Great story, great direction. Davison nails it as a more assured and even cynical doctor. Great cliffhangers, except episode two, and a wonderfully heroic exit. Yeah. It's very heroic, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's so good. So good. 
That's exactly what it is. It is, it is a redemption story almost. It's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Next up, Matthew Doyle. It was not only the best Davison story, it was the best for episode best four episodes JNT ever produced. Graham Harper's restrained, mature direction complemented Robert Holmes's brilliant scripts. Yeah. I think we've established that the it's just great. It is. It is. Yeah. Thanks for that feedback. Mark Powell says, watching it at the moment for the first time in years, very good. Thanks for that. David Campbell, there's a sense of pace, drama, urgency and narrative drive that propels the story forward with gathering momentum. It's a sympathetic meeting of scripting and direction that was missing from a preceding few years, making all the difference and it was so exceptional as to feel like a lucky fluke. It's also bittersweet because it shows that the Doctor that Davison could have been He's a much more skilled, exciting and compelling actor than a lot of his episodes gave him in the opportunity to demonstrate. Pertwee and Tom were personality castings, often playing exaggerated versions of themselves. But Davison is an actor first and needs to be given a character to interpret through the script and direction. He could have brought more to his own natural humour and sarcasm to the Doctor to give him more depth, but they didn't want that. Tom was the funny one. And as it had gone too far, JNT was stamping down to who had on the humour. Davison was typecast at the time of casting as Tristan, and they wanted the more of the same. So yeah, he is—he does play it sort of similar to how he did play Tristan in All Creatures Great and Small, a very sort of flat, carey character. Hmm. But you know that's what they wanted, and he gave them what they wanted. And at the end of the day, that's his it's... job to do, isn't it? Hmm. Actor first. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, because they are play. What Tom Baker, whenever he's interviewed, always says that he's not playing the Doctor. He's just doing him. Right. He's not. He's not doing anything. And to be honest, he is. Quite, well, I don't know if that's true, but I'll have to ring him. Give him a bell. Let us know. I'll give him a bell in a bit and see what he says. Go on then. Malcolm Badger says. Apart from the Magma Beast, pure brilliance. The Doctor is completely out of his depth, and along with Perry, gets simply caught up in events which spirally rapidly. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> spirally rapidly. I can't read properly. Gets simply caught up in events which spiral rapidly. Tense, action-packed, and a fitting finale to this wonderful incarnation. It is wonderful. And it, proper tense as well. It is, yeah, it is tense. We didn't, we didn't pick up on it really, did we? But yeah, great. Thanks for that. Aldo Tafari says, "I liked it. Read the book too. Enjoyed that. After some bad episodes, I thought that w- that one was great. And he's done. Then I don't enjoy Colin so much, nor the chaos that came later either. Made me delve back into the sixties episodes." Yeah, I'd say that like that late the later eighties period is is a hard place to go sometimes for some Who fans. I'm really excited to go there. Yeah, well, it seems awful. <laughs> it won't be long. We'll be going there. We'll be going there. Just from the title sequence alone, it seems horrendous. Seems like so much fun though. And then we're on to our final piece of feedback. And finally, Carl Leto says Graham Harper is definitely the difference. Yeah, I'm not what sure whether mean? I agree with that. Graham Poss- Harper is definitely... Possibly. Director. It's Graham Harper again. The director. 
does he really make the story? Like, would it work with another director? He's definitely adding oh, a lot to it. This is a whole conversation about auteurism. Is a director the main driving force in a production? Is it hit? Is it just a signature, or is it you know his baby, his artwork? I mean, I'd argue it's a full off team, and they all work together uh, with the director's directorial interference. Mm. Um, I'd argue, you know, Graham Harper. Why isn't you know all his other stuff good? <laughs> If you're so I good. think the stars aligned and he was working with a great team. Because, to be fair, if you're a great director, if you've got a shit team, you can't go far. So, But I, I don't know the full parameters of that. But I do know Graham Harper is a hit and miss director. We're, we're all a cog in the wheel. Well, some directors have big heads. Big cogs. <laughs> <laughs> big cogs. Right, well, thanks for all that feedback, everybody. Um so I think all that is left... We've run out of time, really. Uh, we've been go- rambling on a little bit with these ones, haven't we? So we're going to be leaving uh, the Battles in Time segment until next week. But hopefully we'll have some uh, some nice songs, maybe? Oh. It's in R&D, isn't it? Yeah. everything everything. It's developing as it is, you know. So next week yeah. we'll have uh, Battles in Time, uh, maybe some songs as well. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? So all that is left for us to do is to reveal what stories we're going to be doing next. Would you like to go first, sir? What was that? Tell them what fucking story we're doing. <laughs> One of which. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> no, you do yours first. All right. Well, the story I'm going to be doing... That didn't take much convincing, did it? Flagging now. The story... <laughs> <laughs> the story I'm going to be doing is a William Hartnell story, First Doctor... And the story is The Web Planet. Would you like a brief little breakdown? If you must. I've already done this once, haven't I? But I'll do it again. Yeah. A mysterious force pulls the TARDIS off course, stranding the Doctor, Ian, Barbara and Vicky on a mysterious alien world known as Vortis. A fierce battle is raging between the moth-like Monoptera and the giant insects known as the Zabi. But what is the dark secret that hides at the centre of the Zabi's lair? Oh. Won't that be exciting? It'll be all right, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm no. looking forward Sorry, to it. it's directed okay. by Richard Martin. It's not going to be that? exciting. Well, it doesn't matter. You'll get to that. Great story, okay. though. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching another First Doctor story. Mm. I do like him. Have you watched uh, a First Doctor story? Um... I've seen bits of okay. lots of the earlier, like, well, the first season, uh, but no, not in its entirety, no. I, I try and stay away from it, because, uh, you know, I want to save it. Yeah. That's a good excuse, isn't it? Nice, isn't it? Right, go on then. What's your choice? You ready? I'm ready for this. So we're going for not Matt Smith and not Tennant. Jodie. Jodie Whittaker. We're going for a Jodie. Brilliant. Let's go there. This is Series 11, Episode 8. Oh. <laughs> the Witchfinders. Okay. I have no clue what that is. Neither do I. I just see an actor in the thumbnail. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to stray, stray away from um, a Tenant episode, and 
I'm halfway through series four at the moment um, of New Who. So I'm getting ready for Matt Smith. Uh, so I thought, let's choose Good a forgettable luck. episode. Let's choose a Jodie one. Wow. Let's choose <laughs> The Witch Finders. Yeah? No, I have no idea. We'll find out next week. But the summary, the synopsis, the logline, the treatment is... The Doctor and friends encounter a witch trial and King James I in the 17th century. Nice. Well, we'll give That's that it. a go. So is that the Witch Finders? Finders. Witch oh, Finders. Well, that's something to look forward to. So if you've got any feedback to send us on either of those two stories, if you can bear to carry on listening for like 30 more seconds, all of the information for those is going to be at the end of the podcast. So the next two episodes we're going to be doing, The Web Planet and The Witch Finders. Um, so yeah, all that remains is thanks very much for listening, everybody. Don't forget to leave a comment uh, anywhere. Follow us, tweet us, hate us, whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you very much. And stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye stay now. Stay safe, COVID, say bye. You can send us your feedback and comments by contacting us on Twitter at whocanconvince, email us at whocanconvinceyou at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Doctor Who Who Can Convince You Podcast. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment on your podcast platform to help people find us.